Well, I guess we're now on the summer schedule. Here we are. It's going to be 90 degrees today. We're starting a new series from Hebrews chapter 11. With our summer schedule, let me tell you, there's going to be a couple changes coming. One, next week we'll be right here at Memorial High School. That's same old. Then we're going to be at South Middle School one week. Then, Father's Day weekend, we will be at Eau Claire Children's Theater for the entire summer from the third week of June until the third week of August. Now, with summer coming, you know, everybody has different schedules, but you can always find us on our um, webpage. And we try to send, it, send out emails, so if you, we have your email, we'll try to let you know every time we make a change. But once we get to the Children's Theater, we're gonna be, that's going to be a great venue, lots of good parking, air conditioning, lots of space. It's a little bigger than this room, so uh, let's fill the room for summer. Um, we have a great summer ahead. Okay, where were you on September 8th, 1966? I see a couple of you weren't even born, and maybe your parents weren't even born. Um, On September 8th, 1966, a television show aired that really wasn't that great. It debuted in black and white. It lasted only three years, ended up with 90 syndicated episodes, give or take one or two. And the name of the series was Star Trek. It became a cult classic, and uh, out of that came five new series, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, and there was also one there for a while, Star Trek The Animated Series. Not to mention, Star Trek spawned off 11 movies, and how many of you know there's still one to come in 2013? Okay, I knew there'd be somebody here that would know that. Um, But I remember the original series in black and white, because I was in high school, (laughs) and Leonard Nimoy's voice could heard to be say at the beginning of every episode, space, the final frontier, boldly going where no man has ever gone before. Now... Here's what we're going to talk about today. Space is not the final frontier. I would suggest to you that faith is the final frontier, and only a few have gone before. Uh, In fact, the ultimate issue of your future will not be space. The ultimate issue of your future is going to be your faith. Okay? So instead of Star Trek, we're going to head out for a faith trek, and we're going to go boldly where only a few have gone before, and uh, they are our heroes, heroes of faith. The faith chapter, Hebrews 11, it's sometimes called faith chapter, like the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, Hebrews 11 is a faith chapter. Hebrews 11 has been called faith's hall of fame. And that's, we're going to begin a new series for the summer today. So why is faith so important? Why is it going to be so important, such a major issue uh, for your life? Uh, first of all, faith brings us online with God. You have an outline in your program if you'd like to follow. 
I, I pay a lot more attention when I'm taking notes. I know some of you, that, that won't make any difference. Faith brings us online with God. It's hard to imagine that we actually survived before the Internet. Some of us here are old enough to know that there was life without the Internet before. I remember sitting in my office and um, having somebody explain to me with a computer in front of me because I hadn't used a computer a whole lot. And they were explaining to me how to get on the Internet. And there I had this screen in front of me. I was supposed to look for the little E. When I found the E, I could click on it, and then I could wait and wait. And finally, the screen would start to come up, and there was a brand new world. My computer had sent a message out into inner space somewhere on the Internet and found somebody out there, and there was a connection made. And there was all kinds of information, all kinds of knowledge could be had through the internet. I was online. Well, faith brings us online with God. First of all, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is described. And the writer says, let's just look at Hebrews 11. I'm just going to go ahead and read the, the whole three. Does anybody here uh, would like, like a Bible? We have some Bibles in the back. Uh, our ushers would be glad to hand one to you. And we are going to be on page uh, 834. Encourage you to have a Bible for Hebrews 11 each week, and you can always just pick one up as you come in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's a passage we're going to look at. Uh, this morning. First, faith brings us online with God. Uh, faith is described, it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith connects us with the unseen reality, the unseen reality of spiritual things, the unseen reality of the person of God. Faith gives perceptions perception into things we cannot see. So what is faith? Well, let's start with what faith is not. What faith is not. First of all, it's not the power of positive thinking. Faith is not the power of positive thinking. That was uh, pretty popular a few years ago. In fact, quite a few years ago. It's this attitude, this attitude that I can do it. I just need to think about it long enough and hard enough. That's positive thinking has some benefits, but it's not faith. Faith is not a hunch. Um, having a hunch may be the result of intuition. Sometimes having the facts and so, sometimes having a gut feeling about making a decision. That's great to have a hunch, and hunches are great for solving problems sometimes, but having a hunch is not faith. Next, faith is not hoping for the best. You know, I, I just, I hope everything works out for you. You know, sometimes people say that, and, but that's not faith. If you, I'm glad that people say that. That's nice that people say that. You know, it's, I, I hope so, but that's not faith, okay? And uh, faith is not a feeling of optimism. You know, where you just, I feel optimistic. I, I, I feel good about the decision that I've just made. 
Uh, I feel that everything is going to work out. That's great. You know, that's a fa- uh, feeling is it's just an emotion. That's great. Being confident or positive, but that's not biblical faith. Uh, faith is not an insistence that God conform to our ideas. You know, I got this great idea. God, I want you to do it now. This is what I want, God. This would be a great life for me. This would be a great career. This would be great for my family. And so start telling God what he should do for you. That's not biblical faith. Uh, When you start telling God how to run the universe or how to fix your problems, that's not faith. And lastly, faith is not merely intellectual assent, not merely agreeing with For example, the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is something I learned growing up, and I memorized it. Some of you here have memorized the Apostles' Creed. It's a great statement of faith. I believe it's an accurate statement. I wholeheartedly concur with it today. But just to say I believe in the Apostles' Creed is not necessarily biblical faith. That's just intellectual assent. I also believe that George Washington crossed the Delaware, okay? That's an intellectual assent to facts. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I believe God exists. Does that make, that, I'm a believer, right? Well, that can be just intellectual assent. So those are some things that faith is not. Now, what faith is. And it's also fair to go to Webster's Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary says, this is not the only definition, but this is one of the definitions. Faith is an allegiance or duty to a person. Faith is belief in and trust in and loyalty to God. Synonyms for faith are belief and trust. Um, so biblical faith is in the person of God. Um, God is the object of faith. We have an objective faith. This is something that really tripped me up in my college years. I was an atheist. My wife was a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, and I was an atheist. And I thought my wife's faith was just a psychological crutch. You know, she had this subjective thing in her mind that she, that this thing about Jesus worked for her. And so I thought it was just sort of her subjective attitude and it worked for her. So that's all it was. And she needed that to survive. That's what I thought. The truth is, it's not a subjective faith. It's an objective faith. There is a true object to faith. It's not a blind leap of faith because God is very real and God's word is very real. Um, Biblical faith is in the person of God. Biblical faith must have a valid object. Uh, for example, if in, let's say in December, first week of December, I invited you all out to Carson Park and we went to Half Moon Lake and I invited you to come out into the middle of the lake with me. And let's say there's an inch of ice over the whole lake. Would you trust the ice. Would you have faith? Is that an objective reality? 
I, I hope you wouldn't do it. But let's say we waited until the first week of February and we walked out and it's not an inch of ice, but it's three feet of ice. Would you trust that? And I think most of you would. Some of you still wouldn't, but most of you would. That's an objective reality that you can trust. God is an objective reality that you can trust. He is really there. His truth, his principles uh, that he's given are really true. The whole universe operates by his principles. Um, Biblical faith also is a kind of a sixth sense. Biblical faith is kind of a sixth sense. I think we got one more coming up there. And, okay, you have five, seven, five senses, most of you at least. And, uh, you know, we have, we have sight and touch and sound and smell and taste. And by that we perceive the world around us. You know, that's what science is all about. It's about perceiving details, making observations, looking for principles. It's all good. Faith is like a sixth sense that gives you perception into the spiritual realm that you do not get with the five senses. Um, It's the organ of perception that puts us in touch with the unseen spiritual world. Next, biblical faith brings insight into the invisible spiritual world, and so faith puts us in touch with God. Faith enables us to connect with God, to go online with God. So how do we go online with God? And the answer is that we go online with God through faith. Um, And just allow me to remind you how to connect with God, okay? Allow me to remind you how to go online with God. For some people in this room, it may be the first time that they get this, okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Here's the key, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. So the Apostle Paul is uh, reminding the readers in Ephesus that our salvation, our connecting with God is not from us. It's not about doing good works. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we accomplish, but it comes by faith. It comes through faith. So um, getting connected with God requires faith. Our problem, let me just remind us of some simple things. Our problem is, is that you and I are sinners. Romans three twenty three: for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes we just forget the simple and how important it is to make it clear. All have sinned. Every person in the world, every person ever born except Jesus was, is a sinner, was a sinner. And every person that will be born will be a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is an attitude or an action. It's a thought that dishonors God. It falls short of God's standards. God's standards are being is perfection. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Guess what? Nobody, none of us ever measure up to God's standards. We all fall short. That's what it means to be a sinner. The problem for us is sometimes we like to compare. I'm a better sinner than you are. 
You know, I, I can get proud about that. I'm, I'm, I'm a better sinner. You're a bad sinner. I'm just, I'm a good sinner, you know. But all are sinners. We're all in the same boat. Secondly, our sin separates us from God. Uh, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Wages are what we earn. Wages are what we get paid for what we do. And for sin, we get death. And in Romans 6.23, death is about eternal death. It's about separation from God. When a person dies, physically, the soul and the spirit separate from the body. We go to the funeral home and we go to the grave. And the spirit, the soul, are not present. And the body is left. It's like a shell. There's a separation. Spiritual death, it's when we are separated from God for eternity. Spiritually separated from God. Our soul and spirit are separated from God. And so the wages of sin is death, and that's what happens because of our sin. The great thing is God has a solution, and this is good news, and that's why we call it the gospel First, God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what it's about, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for every person. And he paid the penalty of sin for every person. Penalty has been paid for. That's good news. You don't have to pay it. You can't pay it. I can't pay it. God has solved the whole issue of sin, and he's paid the price through Jesus. God has one requirement for us, and that's to believe in Jesus who died for us. Acts 16.31. Very simply, Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And their answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's real simple. It's to believe. It's real simple, but yet we can make it really complicated. It can be hard to grasp. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was, he was buried. He was raised on the third day, proved that he was alive, that, that he gained victory over sin and death. And the sin penalty is paid for. And the issue is, you believe that? Can you trust that with your very life? Because that's how you connect with God. That's how you go online with God. It's, it's about being born again. It's about being born of the Spirit, connected to the Holy Spirit and having a spiritual life and a spiritual connection, connection with God who is Spirit. Okay? And... Uh, you know, connecting with God is really easy. And it can be through a prayer. It can be through a prayer just as simple as, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died for me. And I trust him right now to pay the penalty for my sin. It can be that simple. It's a little transaction with God. It's privately between you and God. And let me just say, if anybody here ever has questions and would like to talk about this, I love to talk about this. Okay? This is how you go online with God. 
Secondly, on your outline, faith keeps us connected online with God. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. Who are the ancients? I'm glad you asked. I was waiting for somebody to ask me who the ancients were. They are people from the Old Testament who uh, live by faith. These are the heroes. These are people listed in Faith's Hall of Fame. They have, they're people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, just to name a few, but there are more. That's what we're going to be looking at this summer. And what were they commended for? They were commended for their faith. They lived their lives in ways that honored God. They were people who learned to follow God's directions. They were ordinary people who followed an extraordinary God. This is the encouraging thing. They were ordinary people. I think probably we are ordinary people. But we have an extraordinary God. These weren't perfect people. These were just everyday people. And they engaged with God and God engaged with them. And these were people that God commended. These were people, when they got to the end of the line, when they reached the end of their lives, God said, well done. Well done. You're a good and faithful servant. So this is what the uh, ancients were commended for. And uh, this is the, the, the point. This is what you will be commended for or not. This is what's going to be really important when you stand before God. How did you live? How did you follow Christ? How did you live by faith? Because this is what really pleases God. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. Uh, we, yes, we live by sight. Yes, we need our five senses to, you know, when I get out of bed in the morning, I need to see what's where the floor is and what room I'm going to next. We need our five senses to examine our world. But ultimately, by faith, we place God's perspective ahead of a human or earthly perspective. I have to be guided by God's priorities through my everyday circumstances when it comes to f- faith, uh, James chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James reminds us that faith grows and develops and that our faith is commonly tested. So sometimes you have good days, difficult days, hard days, maybe impossible possible days and I always ask people would you rather do that with God or without God because we all have difficult times difficult situations and God develops our faith and he grows us as we learn to walk with him one day at a time so um, one day you're going to stand before God and he's going he's to want to know, how did you live? Did you live by faith? 
Did you follow my directions? You're going to know the answer. So when it comes to faith, it brings us online with God and it keeps us online with God. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next weeks. Thirdly, faith brings understand to the question of origins. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's kind of a loaded verse. And that's headed into a really, really long discussion. But not for today. Uh, faith brings understanding to the question of origins. What is the question? Well, the question is pretty simple. Where do we come from? That's the question of origins. By the way, the book of Genesis means origins. The book of Genesis tells us where pretty much everything got its start. It's a book of beginnings. Um, where did everything come from? Where did the universe come from? You know, we got up this morning and outside my window there were trees and there was grass and there are, you know, there are streets and there are houses. Where did it all come from? Um, we have two main views in our world today. I know it's hard to simplify everything into two, but pretty much there are two main views about the question of origins. Number one, evolution. That's what I learned in high school and college. And I remember opening the textbook and seeing the little horses and how they changed over time. That almost proved evolution by looking at the horses and then the monkeys and how they changed. And so, and the other is creation. So these are, these are two main views. Where did everything come from? Either they evolved or they were created. I also know that there are many views right in between. They're partial, partial creation, partial evolution. And I know this, it's very complicated. It's, now, there's no simple uh, explanation um, to handle, to, just to deal with all of the, the questions that come, come up. Pretty much evolution teaches that man evolved from a single life form and that life itself started by chance and it was a random chance. That's pretty much the evolutionary, at least evolution without God, the, 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 the picture of the story. Um, there's, there's the... Other problem is how did the life form get started? Uh, creation teaches that God created the universe and everything in it. I'm pretty simple. The Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the stuff out of which the stuff comes. Um, the Bible teaches that God breathed that God created man and breathed in him the breath of life. I personally believe that God created the heavens and the earth and man in six days, six 24-hour days. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm telling you what I believe about the scriptures. There's a lot of ways God could have done it. Yes, God could have started a really slow process that took millions and millions and millions and billions of years. He could have. That's not what the text says. And um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the text, what Scripture says. God could have done it any way he wanted to. 
I don't think God was fooling the Jewish people when he said the first day he did this, the second day he did this, because they understood he was talking about a 24-hour day, not millions or billions of years. Now, that's how I understand the scriptures. Whenever you get into a discussion like this, they can become fighting words for people, and that's not what I want. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. Um, I do not believe in creation because it's convenient or because it's easy, and it just answers lots of questions. Uh, I believe in creation because I trust God and I trust what he said. Here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that faith brings understanding to these issues. So apart from faith, you are not, at least according to what God said, you are not going to understand the origin of the universe. Um, so uh, what can we know? Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. The universe is a result of God's spoken command. The book of Genesis said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke the word, and it happened. We have a powerful, almighty God. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and, and 20, when Jesus comes back, he, all he will do is speak the words and he will bring judgment on earth with his words, his powerful word. He speaks. Um, God expressed his will verbally, and it was so. Jesus Christ is called the word of God. Um, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the writer identifies that Jesus is the creator God. And right now, Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Every atom, every molecule in the universe is held together right now. According to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, is held together by the powerful word of Jesus Christ. All Jesus has to do is speak and the whole thing could disintegrate, blow up. And it would be a, really a big bang, okay? Jesus is holding it together. It's why, we, it's why you haven't come out of your seat yet. You've got it all together because Jesus is holding you together right now. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is a summary statement of all that happens in chapter 1. The Bible begins with this. It doesn't prove creation. It assumes creation from the beginning. Uh, we don't know uh, when this took place. There was no human being present videotaping. Um, we know this because God has revealed it to us. In Genesis uh, chapter, or excuse me, John chapter one. I love the book of John. In the beginning. What does that sound like? Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's a pretty profound statement. 
And John wrote this in the first century when Greek philosophy was number one, and they were all looking for the word, the logos. That was the most significant Greek philosophical idea. The word was with God, and the word was God. So the word is a person. He, a person, was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. By the way, if we jump to verse 14, we would know that the, the word is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Verse 4, next slide. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In the word, in Jesus was life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that life was the light of men. That the light, Jesus said he was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. He's talking about spiritual darkness, but the darkness, the spiritual darkness has not understood it. I would suggest this is the most significant reason why people do not understand the question of origins. It's because of darkness, spiritual darkness. Because when the light of the world shines, he brings light and life and understanding to the question of origins. Now, let me just uh, make an aside here. Sometimes Christians get so confused about the gospel. So I hope this is just like obvious. A person is not required to believe in creation to become a Christian. A person is not required to believe in creation to be a follower of Christ because that's not the gospel. The Bible doesn't say believe in creation and you will be saved. Believe in creation and Jesus and you will be saved. It doesn't say that. It says believe in Jesus. That applies to a lot of different things. The Bible does not say you have to be pro-life to be a Christian. Now, I, my conclusion about the whole issue of choice and pro-life is, my conclusion is pro-life. But a person doesn't have to be pro-life to become a follower of Christ. Please understand the gospel. How can anybody even understand some of these issues until they are online with God and begin to connect with his word and begin to have understanding? Um, You don't have to be heterosexual to become a follower of Christ. All I'm saying is, Christians, we sometimes confuse people with the gospel. We don't know what it is we have to share. And we, and we can get into arguments about things and get so sidetracked from the gospel. that we're, we're supposed to have faith in Christ who died on the cross for us. It doesn't say I have to have faith that God created the earth in six 24-hour days. It doesn't say that. So, Let's be clear on the gospel. Um, What to remember? I have a little quote here. I know we could do tons of quotes, and I haven't represented either side very well. But this is uh, biogenesis is a theory that life, this is about evolution. Biogenesis is a theory that life originated from non-life one day when some sand and seawater changed itself into a living being. It is accepted by faith. For there is no evidence to support such an idea. And I just want to remind us of that. 
It's by faith. That the evolutionary scheme is by faith. It takes a great deal of faith to embrace evolution. And it, you know, it takes a great deal of faith to, for some people to embrace creation. I get it. But please understand it. It's by faith that people embrace evolution. It's not because somebody was there writing down how it all happened. You know, how's that little one cell thing doing there? You know, there was, there's no scientific proof. All of science is based on faith. It's all based on theory. When I was in college, I wrote a philosophy paper. I was an atheist. I had an atheist chair of the department, and the second guy was a theist. And by the time I was a senior, ready to graduate, and had to write a major paper, I played one against the other. And my point was, all of science is based on faith. It's based on theory. It, there's a lot of it works, and there's scientific truth, and it has value, and I love science and how it helps. But th- there is a step of faith the scientists must take to operate. We're not talking about absolute knowledge anywhere, really apart from scriptures. Um, British scientist Frederick Hoyle said the chances of producing one organic molecule would be about the same as a tornado roaring through a junkyard and taking all the pieces of metal and junk and then turning them into a Boeing 747 that functions. There is a chance that a tornado could go through a junkyard and maybe put two pieces together. Then it might take another 10,000 years for another tornado to get another piece together, but it's all got to happen at once. Just, just to have one organic molecule, not a whole system, but just one, one molecule. So when it comes to faith, I, I like the late Ray Stedman's view of biblical faith. And he said, faith simply means believing God's view of the matter is true, no matter what the current acceptable explanation may be. There's always going to be a lot of current acceptable explanations and that they're going to change. Um, I think God's view is true. I think it's accurate. And that's the one I'm going to take. I want to be educated. I want to be thoughtful. I want to understand. But I have a tremendous confidence in God's word. Uh, So here we go. Faith brings us online with God. Faith keeps us connected online with God. Faith brings understanding to the question of origins. In the third century, a Jewish teacher named Rabbi Simlai noted that Moses gave 613 commands. How did he know? He counted them. Of the 613 commands in the Old Testament, 365 were negative because he counted them. 248 of the commands of the Old Testament are positive. In Psalm 15, David, the psalmist, reduced all of the 613 commands to 11. In Isaiah 33, verses 14 and 15, Isaiah the prophet reduced 11 to 6. The prophet Micah in Micah 6, 8 reduced 6 to 3. The prophet Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk? It's like chewing Habakkuk. 
reduce them all to just one command. The righteous shall live by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. When God gives you instructions to obey, do you follow? Because that's what living by faith is all about. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our start in uh, Hebrews 11 and a chance to begin uh, learning about faith and just examining that, putting it under the microscope each week and clarifying for ourselves how to follow you and how to live by faith. And um, God, I pray that you'll give us insight. I pray that one day we'll stand before you and you'll be able to say to each one of us, well done. For Jesus' sake, amen.